We are continuing our series, The Movement. And for those that haven't been uh, joining us these last number of weeks, uh, we're actually on episode eight. Um, so essentially, uh, we're on movie eight of Star Wars. So are there things that you're going to be able to pick up on? Yes. Um, are there things that you might miss along the way? I, I hope not, but I would encourage you to check out this series. Um, essentially, what we've been doing over the last seven weeks, what our hope is, is to try to rediscover what Jesus really came to set in motion. Because I don't know about you, but I've wondered at times what Jesus was really trying to do, what he was setting uh, in motion, what he was starting, what movement he was unleashing on the world. Because if we're honest, if we read the pages of this thing, if we read the Gospels and, and the stories of Jesus and what he kind of was about and what he did and what it looked like, and then we read stories about the early church and what they were passionate about, what they were investing their time and their energy and their talents, how they were hearing from the Holy Spirit and responding to it, at times it doesn't look so much like our own experience. If we're honest, we sort of like look around at the church as a whole and go, well, Jesus obviously came to establish a religion, right? He obviously came to establish buildings and religious services. Obviously, Jesus' primary teaching was how do we do services on Sunday mornings, right? That's kind of what we'd imply. But for those that don't know, Jesus actually spent little to no time talking about those things and so much more talking about what it means for us to live in the kingdom of God, what it means for us to join him in his restoration work in the world around us, what it means for us to give love away as Lisa shared with our kids today. That's what Jesus was about. So ultimately, even for us here as this small community in Marta Loop, or all throughout the city, but that gather here um, in Marta Loop. It's our, it's our heart, it's our goal, it's our desire, it's our dream that in some ways we could rediscover what Jesus was really after. And we could live into that kind of dream. For the first half of our series, so basically for the month of March, we talked about movement identity. So kind of who Jesus has created us to be and how that, how that plays into how we join Jesus in his movement in the world around us. And then for these last couple of weeks, we've kind of shifted from movement identity to movement community. What does it look like for us to do this together? And this is where we're picking up our, uh, our message here for this morning. So let's pray as we jump in. So Jesus, I pray that you would continue to speak this morning. I pray that it wouldn't be about Joel's thoughts or ideas wouldn't be about my random meanderings or any of ours, but God, that we'd be able to be in tune with your spirit this morning. God, that you'd speak deep into all of our hearts. God, that you would challenge us where we need challenge. You would encourage us where we need encouragement. And that God, that you would speak. And God, that as your people, however that looks, we're all kind of on a journey towards Jesus, that we'd be able to know what our next step might be be able to know how we could respond in obedience to what you're speaking to us about. That we wouldn't just come to this message to think, oh man, here we can learn some new things about you. No, it's not about learning, it's about obedience, Jesus. But help us to respond in some way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Two weeks ago was kind of part one for this message a little bit. And essentially two weeks ago, I shared a message and the kind of big idea for the message is that being in community, so existing in community is not optional in following Jesus. 
That if you look through Jesus' teaching, you look through the early church, like I said, and, and kind of their expression of faith, community was foundational. It was all about, in some ways, community. It was all about the relationships and growth together. So I want to ask today, what kind of community are we talking about? What can that look like? I don't know if you ever thought about this, but here's a big question for us. What did Jesus' church look like? What do you think? What did Jesus' church look like? It looked like 12 disciples, yeah. Yeah, so he had his kind of 12 bros that he called that kind of walked with him, yeah, for sure. He hung out on the beach, yeah, that sounds really good on a day like today, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Or on the mountaintop, it's true, yeah. What did Jesus' church look like, yeah? <laughs> Open fields and stinky rooms, that's good. Well, hopefully we don't have the second part this morning. What else did Jesus' church look like? Imperfect. It was imperfect, for sure. Yeah. It looked like what was around him no matter where he found himself. That's awesome. One of the things that I think about when I think about Jesus' church is I think about Jesus' fears of relationship. I'm going to introduce this idea, and then we're going to talk about it again in a couple weeks. But essentially what we saw in Jesus is we saw spheres of relationship. First and foremost, we saw Jesus and, and the one, and the one that Jesus connected with was God the Father. And we see him having an intimate relationship with God, again, going to God in prayer again and again and again. We see a foundational connection between Jesus and the Father. I wonder what that means to us today. Second thing is we see Jesus and his three. So yes, he had 12 disciples, but he also actually had like three really close bros, and he had some very very powerful experiences with those three guys. That's Peter, James, and John. Those are kind of his closest disciples. And then we do see a community around Jesus in his 12 disciples. These are sort of the 12 official dudes that he invited to join him. But then we also see again and again in the Gospels, we see his 72 it's like, well, what is that? Well, it's, there's actually more than just the 12 traveling with Jesus. There was kind of this surrounding community. And at some point later on in the Gospels, we actually see Jesus sending out 72 of his followers. So there's sort of this extended community around Jesus. And then ultimately, we also have the multitudes. And these are the times and experiences where he is teaching on the mountaintop, and there's thousands there to hear Jesus's words. And the question that I begin to wonder is, what would it look like to put that into practice? What would it look like for me to have community, have church in some ways like Jesus had church? So to have one connection with God the Father, to have smaller connection with people that I'm intimately doing life with, to be part of a smaller community expression, and then also be a part of the 72 and the multitudes, which to me is the gathered church. Another question that I would have for us is, what did the early church look like? What did the early church look like? I think it looked quite similar. I think we saw spheres of relationship. And, and as I begin to study the scriptures and study kind of looking at this early church picture, I began to think about, well, if we're going to try and go back to this in some way, or at least try to live into the dream that Jesus has had for his church, then when and where and how did the early church, how did those early first followers of Jesus gather? What did this thing look like? Where and when? And there's actually this verse in Acts 5, 42. It says, Every day, every day, I was like, what in the world? <laughs> every day in the temple 
and from house to house. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. There's this picture in the, in the scriptures, in, in the book of Acts, of how the church gathered. And they gathered together in the t- in temple courts. In some uh, passages, it says Solomon's colonnade. And it's basically the temple courts in the temple. And they would gather together as a large church. And then they would also gather from house to house. You see, again and again and again in the scriptures, it actually says that they gathered house to house. Again, in verse 42, from house to house. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, it says, The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house. In Acts 2.42, it says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive food with glad and sincere hearts. In Romans 16.5, it says, Greet also the church in their house. Colossians 4.15, it says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Lysodicea and, and Nymphia and the church in her house. Again and again in the scriptures, household to household, house to house, In the Greek, this picture is oikos to oikos. Essentially, that Greek word means family. It means network. It means community. It means household. And not just immediate family, but an extended spiritual family. So again, I began to wonder, like, why did the church, the early church, meet in homes. What does that mean and what could that mean to us even today? I think ultimately the first reason why they would have met in homes is that it was practical. That it was it was simple. It was just sort of a general expression. They didn't need to rent buildings and have paid staff and all these sort of things. They just gathered together. It was simple. The second thing is that it was possible. So often as we read the stories, especially of the early church, they faced persecution again and again and again. And we actually see a really interesting picture in that at the beginning they gathered in the temple courts, but later on they actually stopped being able to do that. They were persecuted in Jerusalem and they went totally underground. So I think it was possible based on the persecution they were experiencing. And I think the third thing is that it was powerful. There's something about doing community with an actual group of people that you could know and be known by. When we think about Jesus's dream for like, how do we love one another? I don't know if you've been through some of those love one another passages or the love one another verses, but they're really challenging, especially when our only expression of church is a large group. We think, how in the world am I ever going to love people like that? And again, as I look at Jesus and I look at the early church, I see there was different spheres of relationship. There was different spheres of community, and maybe that means something to us today. And not only in the early church, but also some of the things that we've been talking about over the last seven weeks is about the movements of God that are happening around the world. We shared some stories about the church in Iran and if you, if you actually want to discover more about the, the church in Iran, there's actually a video on YouTube. It's called Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. And I would encourage you to go and check it out. Honestly, it is a powerful, powerful story. I would give you the warning and disclaimer that it is mature. The church in Iran is experiencing some unbelievable persecution. So it's not like family movie night, just throw that on with your kids and everything like that. It is intense, but it is about how Iran is becoming the fastest growing movement of people coming to Jesus in the world. It is powerful. Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2, check it out. 
So there's something about the church in Iran, the church in China, and it is exploding that in the midst of government persecution on the church, thousands and thousands and millions of people are coming to Jesus. And also about the disciple-making movements in Africa, India, and on and on and on. And in some of these movements, they have larger expressions of church. They have gatherings. But more and more, the thing that I'm seeing in some of these disciple-making movements of about the 4,500 known disciple-making movements in the world, they account for 76.9 million new disciples of Jesus. This is powerful. 4.8 million churches have emerged in sort of these movements that are happening globally. The average church size is 16. 16. So what does that mean to us? Because obviously our experience and expression of church in North America isn't 16. It's not primarily 16. We think about large group gatherings. So what does it mean that the church is gathering like this? And why is the church gathering like this? Well, again, I think because it's experiencing some of that persecution, so it's possible, so it's practical, but I do think there is something powerful about when smaller groups of believers come together. You see, there's something powerful that can happen when the larger church gets together, but there's also something about the small, the reproducible, the intentional multiplying expressions, the smaller expressions of the church too. And this is why today we want to explore this idea of groups a little bit and what this could mean for our church moving forward. Now, to be clear, as I say groups, I'm not talking about small groups. I'm not talking about life groups or Bible studies or just sort of like, oh, let's bring a couple people together and we'll read a couple verses and pat each other on the back, have a cup of coffee and get out of there. I'm talking about what would it mean for us to be the church in smaller and larger expressions? What it means for us to gather, sure, on Sundays, but also have disciples coming together to learn, to disciple one another, to engage in community, to love each other, and to to go on mission together in the world. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about smaller expressions of the church. I just want you to know I'm not talking about coffee and donuts. I'm talking about something powerful. I'm talking about what it would mean for there to be smaller communities even in our city of people that are passionately following Jesus, that are existing in community, loving like family for the sake of our city and the world. So as we start this morning, as we've done the last number of weeks, I want to give you a couple questions. I'm going to throw you up on the board, and and you can chat with a couple people that you're sitting next to or just consider them for yourselves, and then we'll jump back in. First question is, have you ever thought about Jesus' church? what that looked like for him. And the second question is, what have your experiences been with smaller expressions of the church? Maybe some good ones, maybe some not so good ones. Talk about that for a couple minutes and we'll be right back.
Okay, we're going to jump back in. And just to do something a little bit different this morning, I'm going to invite my sister Anna, for those that don't know, this is my sister Anna, and, and the brother-in-law whom I love, Ryan. I actually love my brother-in-law. That's a pretty sweet thing, I think. I don't know if everyone loves their brother-in-law, but I really love mine. <laughs> cool, so we'll spread out a little bit. You guys can take your masks off. What I want to do is I just want to ask Anna and Ryan a couple questions about some of the things they've been learning in this season and what perhaps the smaller expression, some of this group kind of conversation is meaning to them. Now, obviously, they have uh, a little bit more journey with this. We've been talking about some of this stuff for years. <laughs> in, couple couple months intensively, but in, in some ways years. So again, Ryan, uh, what has God been teaching you in this season? So bring the mic up. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> uh, I'm learning a lot from verses like Acts 2, 42, um, uh, that what Jesus did during his ministry and how he told people to live out their faith um, and how to make disciples. And also um, that missional community, disciple making, and being a disciple really is the call of Jesus, that we would all be these things in the world for our neighbors and our coworkers, people we pass by on the street. We are called to be a light in the world, and the best way to do that is to be in community with devout worshipers, uh, praying for each other, building each other up for the sake of the world. Love it. So those that don't know, Anna and Ryan are, are kind of praying through starting a group, starting sort of a house church, a smaller expression. Obviously still connected to what we're doing here on Sunday morning, but also exploring God in that way. So Anna, why are you guys planning on starting this? Um, we've been feeling called to... Um, basically start an expression of church that aligns with like Jesus's church and Jesus's vision and um, with God's heart of just loving others and loving each other. And um, we really just want to see what God can do in the midst of our community and in the midst of our like city and in the midst of our like friends groups. Um, and I think we just love the simplicity of it, the simplicity of um, you're not inviting someone to a religious building, to a religious um, to, to a church, like you're not inviting someone to that, you're inviting someone into your home, into a relationship with you and Jesus to spend time with each other, to like grow together and specifically in a relationship with each other and with Jesus. Cool. Uh, Ryan, what do you dream for what God could do in the group? So I dream that God would make our group a people of peace, a people who live by the spirit, making disciples and being disciples devoting themselves to scripture, community, worship, and prayer. Love it. And Anna, what do you dream that God could do through you and the group? Well, I think um, I've been having conversations with a close friend of mine over the past uh, year, probably. And um, when these conversations started happening, she was talking about her relationship with God and what that looked like in her family for a while. Um, and a lot of it was just they talked about God, they talked about the Bible, but they never really actually went to church. And so I did invite her to church, but she said she, didn't, she wasn't entirely sure how she felt about just coming and listening to a sermon. She, wasn't, um, she just didn't know if that was um, like the intimacy that she wanted. And so more recently, um, I've been spending time talking to her um, just about like she's been reading the Bible and how she's been doing with that. And I mentioned this idea of a house church, of a small group of coming together and eating together and drinking together and um, like spending time talking about the Bible and talking about God. And she was all for it. She was so excited about it. She was like, that's like, that's what I want. Like that's 
something I want. And so I think like my dream is that we can do that with our coworkers, with our community, with our friends, with our family, like, that that can happen more intentionally in like bigger schemes, like more often and with just like everybody we encounter. Love it. So I would just encourage you as a church, be praying for Anna and Ryan as they just sort of start into some of this stuff. Obviously, COVID is making this very complicated in terms of having people in your home, uh, but be praying for them and, and be con continuing to just examine your own heart of what's God speaking to you about in terms of these different things that we've been talking about. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. You see, we live in a time culturally that ails with social isolation, loneliness, and lack of community, especially in the midst of this COVID season. You see, there's less and less of an emphasis on community, and I believe it's time as a church to step up. Even in this season in COVID right now, I think this is the time to begin thinking about these things and what does it look like to catalyze some of these groups as COVID hopefully moves away and out of our minds and conversations. See, where culture would speak individualism, look out for number one, that we would be a church and a people that would speak community, that we are better together. Where culture would speak that it's all about you, we would speak, no, it's all about Jesus. He's the one we follow together. Where culture would speak, look out for number one, we would follow the way of Jesus to really love our neighbor as ourselves. This is the community we dream of for in groups. See, the vision for groups for me started as a longing, and a longing a long time ago. A longing for real community. A longing for a family that would exist experiencing the love of God together. A community that cares for one another. A community that lives out some of this stuff in intentional, honest ways. And a community that exists for more than just itself. A community that exists to love and to embrace, to, to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. To be a blessing in networks, in neighborhoods, in communities, in people groups, in workplaces, and families. You see, this is the longing. And for me, it started with just reading this thing. It started with seeing the Acts 2 church and reading passages. And we'll throw this up on the screen again. It says when talking about the early church, this is the church just after Jesus. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. It says all of the believers were together and had everything in common. That's crazy. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as they had need. Every day they sorry, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As we think about these smaller expressions of the church, I think the thing that separates these from, from some of the more simple sort of Bible study approaches is it needs to have these three components. It needs to have discipleship, it needs to have community, and it needs to have mission. And we see that right here in this passage. We see, first, we see them passionately following Jesus. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to breaking of bread and to prayer. We see the second thing where they were in community in really powerfully challenging ways. It says they, they were in fellowship. They gave to anyone as they had need. They ate together. Something, there is something powerful about eating and drinking together, about joining together around a common meal 
about praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. What does it mean to enjoy the favor of all the people? Like it means that we enjoy what God is speaking to all of the people. We enjoy the blessing that God is pouring out to all of us individually, and we enjoy that together. We see how God is moving in each other's lives in powerful ways. And the last thing is we do see them for the sake of the community and the world. And in this passage particularly, all we really see is the Lord adding to their number daily those who are being saved. But again and again in, through the Gospels and into the book of Acts, we see them existing to be a blessing to the networks and communities and relationships around them. We see them sharing and just demonstrating the love of Jesus together. You see, I was inspired by this. And I thought, what would it look like to be a part of a church that sure would gather on Sundays in larger groups? That's great, but also would have these vibrant communities that are living out these three things, discipleship, family, and mission. You see, ultimately, the point of groups, there's kind of like one sort of like, well, what's, what's the point of groups? It's, it's beginning just to ask three simple questions. It's beginning to ask, how are we going to disciple one another? So for you guys, as you guys dream about group and dream about people that are going to be a part of that with you, the first question is, how are you going to disciple one another? How are you going to spur one another on? How are you going to grow and develop spiritually? The second question is, how are you going to live in community? Acts 2 gives us some pretty crazy milestones. I don't necessarily think that you should start there, but, but what does it look like for you to be in community? That's a question for all of us. And the last question is, how are you going to engage Jesus' mission together. Brian Sanders, the author of a book called The Micro Church, kind of talking about some of these smaller expressions of church, he says this, plenty of people will walk into churches this weekend and not be discipled, loved, or even known. They will not experience fellowship and they will not engage in mission. When the local church is experienced as a spectacle, then we have tragically failed the word by mislabeling that experience as participation in the church. What is he saying? He's saying that this, this is a gathering of people and that we want to align our hearts and our, and our vision, our attention to Jesus. But friends, this, just pure Sunday morning expression, isn't the church. It isn't all the churches, is what I should say. You see, we believe that community is important. And number one, the reason why we believe that community is important is, again, is I think that we need each other to grow following Jesus. I think ultimately, if you look at the times in your life where you grew most spiritually, I would even go so far as to say the times in your life when you really grew in any capacity, they could probably be marked by the people that you did it with. The people that were, that were challenging you, that were questioning you, that were encouraging you, that were coming alongside you. In Ecclesiastes, it says two are better off than one. If one falls down, the other will help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad. Because there is no one there to help him. Two men can resist an attack that would defeat one man alone. A rope made of three cords is hard to break. In Proverbs 27, it says, people learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. A couple weeks ago, I shared a quote from Max Licato that I was just, it was reverberating in my heart as I was writing this message. And again, he shared with us. He shared this quote that I shared. It said, 
Questions can make hermits out of us, driving us into hiding. Yet the cave has no answers. Christ distributes courage through the community. He dissipates doubts through fellowship. He never deposits all the knowledge in one person, but distributes pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to many. When you interlock your understanding with mine and we share our discoveries, when we mix, mingle, confess, and pray, Christ speaks. The second thing that I think why we believe in community and why this is important is that we are created to be in community. And not just community, but family, an extended spiritual family. That in Romans 12, it says, so in Christ, we, we, sorry, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all others. I love the picture of the body that we see in the New Testament. And the last thing is that we're sent on mission together. The mission to love, care, bless, and share about the love of Jesus. That in Matthew 28, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. This is the movement. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, if we're honest, this is the hard part. That some of the discipleship part, yeah, we probably can figure some of that out on our own. Some of the community part, well, we can't do it on our own, but we think we can. Yeah, I can kind of figure that out. I can love kind of a few people around me. But if we're really going to engage the mission that Jesus has for all of us, that we're going to readily need people around us that are going to encourage us, that are going to come alongside us, that are going to pick us down when we're broken down. And that ultimately, Jesus didn't just send us out individually. He was speaking to a group of people, and I think he was sending them as a group of people. So there's something powerful about as we engage mission together. See, this is what we're talking about, passionately following Jesus in community for the sake of our city and the world. For D&I, this is ultimately why we came to Calgary. This is why. We were, we were pastors, and we had a great church in Cranbrook, and we had long longed for what it would look like to come back and do some ministry stuff in Calgary. And so a couple years ago, or I guess the summer just before COVID, how, that'll just be the, that'll be the timeline, <laughs> summer before COVID, uh, we came back to Calgary and we thought, what would it look like for us to be a part of being a group like this and even starting other groups like this and maybe being a part of a network of groups like this, which could be a Sunday morning. You see, we had started a group in our home in Cranbrook and we had had so many beautiful experiences. We were actually in the middle, I gotta share a couple quick stories. We were in the middle of Renault's as we started our group. So we actually didn't have a bathroom door yet when we started our group and we got to know each other really, really well because we had a bed sheet for a bathroom door. That's how, that's the, that's the foundation we started our group on. If you wanna learn to trust people, in your home, you have a bed sheet for a bathroom door. And what we saw in that group is we saw people coming to faith in Jesus. We got to baptize some friends, some brothers, some sisters, some people that we loved in that community. We got to work through some really hard stuff. I remember we had just finished the renos. This was like two months into kind of starting our group. And one night, our fantastic kids were having a great time in the basement. They had found some hockey pucks and some of the kids in our community had decided that those hockey pucks should be thrown at the drywall. And we had this moment of like, I am so frustrated by these beautiful walls that I had just finished. And they had destroyed 
some drywall with hockey pucks. And yet we got to ask ourselves, is it worth the drywall? And of course it is worth the drywall. Of course it is worth not having pristine basement. Of course it's, it's going to cost something. There's going to be moments that sort of push you a little bit along the way. That we gathered together with and had meals together. We grew spiritually. We had guys nights and girls nights. And we even broke off into some smaller groups. That we were an extended spiritual family. And that we even led Alpha together as a group and we saw people come to faith in Jesus. And we got to grow and expand and we actually multiplied our group. We had, we had multiple groups uh, meeting throughout the week. You see, God so captured our heart with a vision for what it would look like for us to do this in Calgary. And this is why we came. And I want to challenge us as a community what it looked like for us to respond in some way to some of these things. Some of these things that we see in the Gospels and in the early church. So as we close this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. And I realize it might even push us a little bit. might even stretch us just a touch. So for those that are watching online, um, we love you and we thank you for joining us. We're going to throw some questions on the board and you're more than welcome to engage those questions. Sorry, I'm just addressing the online folks just for, just for a second. And, and if you don't know what it means to follow Jesus and you want to learn more about that, we would love to connect with you. So you can go to info at forerunnerchurch.ca. But for the rest of us, what we're going to do this morning is we're actually just going to break off into a couple groups, and we're going to talk about some of these questions together. So here are the questions up on the screen. It says, who do you have in your life that challenges you to grow, and who do you do that for? Second question, does community come natural to you, or is it a difficult idea? Why or why not? Number three, who, sorry, how do you live for more than just yourself in your day-to-day -day life? Do you have people that encourage you to do that? And the last question is, what aspects about this vision for groups do you find most compelling and what aspects most challenging? So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go like this right here. So this half of the room, we're going to kind of move around a little bit. Now, we still have to be COVID safe and have distancing and that kind of stuff. We're actually just going to have kind of a discussion together as a group. And this half of the room, you guys are going to kind of move around a little bit and have some discussion together around these three questions or these four questions. And then we will uh, we'll come back together after that. Okay? Let's try it. Uh, the longing, I guess, in my heart is even that I believe that some of us might be one community away from truly moving forward in our lives. That we might be one community away. And that uh, I think ultimately we need each other to grow in following uh, Jesus. We were created to be in community and we were sent on mission together. So as we close, I want to leave you with one last question. And the question is, where do you think God is leading you in terms of getting involved in this kind of community? Uh, and we would love to connect with you about this uh, question. We're going to have some stuff that will go out this week in terms of the weekly emails and some different opportunities that way. Um, for, some of, for some of you, it might be just getting involved in a community like this. We're, we're just kind of trying to figure out. We talked about a little bit. I don't know if you guys did, but we just talked about a little bit with the weather getting a little bit better. Obviously, COVID still presents a lot of challenges this way, but we want to begin to explore some groups um, together as a church. So if you're interested in maybe being part of something like this, that's awesome. Uh, or, or maybe God is even speaking to you about starting a group um, or even leading something like this. Uh, maybe it's in the future. Maybe it's in the immediate future. And, and, and uh, so next Sunday, 
So after our normal gathering in the afternoon, we'll kind of all go from here. We'll grab some lunch and we're going to come back. I think at 1.30 next Sunday, we're going to have a leader training. And when I say leader training, I say for some of us that are kind of exploring and starting some of these groups, we're going to gather together. I would also invite you, if you just want to learn more about this, if you're thinking, I might want to lead a group like this. I don't know if I want to do that right now. I don't know if I can do that right now, but you want to learn more about this. We're just going to have some kind of practical teaching of what does it look like to start groups like this? What does it look like in terms of a rhythm and a kind of weekly thing, like what does this even look like? So we're going to have some more training next Sunday. If you're interested in that and want to be a part of that, we would love to have you. There'll be some signups, like I said, coming, that, coming out on the email this week, or you can come and chat with me or with Ian today. Cool? Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being a part of this grand experiment this morning. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we love you guys. Have a great week.